You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a discussion on Executive Order 203, the New York State Police Reform and Reinvention Collaborative. Shatad Floyd, Director of Legislative Affairs and Policy for Governor Andrew Cuomo, joined a recent meeting of county sheriffs and other county leaders to provide this update on implementation. NYSEC's Council Patrick Cummings opens with an overview of the executive order and what the process looks like from the county perspective. Let me start uh, by going into uh, what exactly this executive order is and why, why it came about. It was signed this summer by Governor Cuomo on June 12, uh, 2020. Um, and it was largely in response to the, the police-involved death of, of George Floyd. Uh, this, this, as uh, you all know, sparked protests around, around the country and um, made us all take a step back and look what, what is going on with policing. There's, there's changes that need to be made. How, how can we address this? Um, Governor Cuomo passed uh, this EO with the, with the hopes and, and thoughts of creating changes in, in local law enforcement policies and strategies to mitigate police-involved deaths and uh, racially biased law enforcement. Um, so that, that's, that's why EO 203 came about. The timeline on it, although it was passed at that time on June 12th, was that um, the counties would need to, any, any policing entity, any municipality with a policing entity within New York State uh, would need to come up with uh, a reinvention uh, uh, plan and collaborative that would need to be passed by April 1st of 2021. Um, and I'll go over the steps and uh, requirements of that. Um, so what exactly does EO 203 call for? Uh, the first thing it does is call for a review of current local government policing policies. So what does that mean? This is EO203 really requires any municipality in the state of New York that has a policing entity. Those can come in many different forms. I think most people think of um, police as, as a city town function. Um, but counties also uh, have, have policing functions. Uh, county sheriffs uh, have policing powers, uh, as well as uh, some district attorneys uh, and investigators within the district attorney's office. Uh, our downstate counties actually run police departments, uh, some of them. So this, this really uh, was uh, for all county members to have a, with their policing entities to come up with a review uh, but that also included all the, the over 900 towns uh, would, would, could potentially have a police department. Every city in New York has a police department. It would require uh, these entities as well to do a review of their current policing policies. And what exactly could that mean? You know, that, that's everything from um, how they're making arrests uh, to uh, even you know tra traffic infractions, um, when and how the police are interacting with the community, um, and, and, and you know it, it's really going to be an array of things that they wanted uh, that this EO is asking the law enforcement to look at um, and what they're doing with their current policies. The next step that's required uh, under the CEO is to develop a plan. 
Um, and this is uh, to the, a new plan to, to mitigate police involved deaths, as we mentioned before, the racially biased law enforcement. Um, this is going to be is, is required to be done by multiple parties uh, within interested parties um, within the, the policing jurisdiction. Um, it's going to include the, your police department, uh, those involved in law enforcement. It's going to include what's called stakeholders under the EO. Um, and stakeholders include, but they're not limited to uh, membership and leadership of the local police, but members of the community. And, when, and it really with an emphasis in areas of uh, high numbers of police community interactions, interested not-for-profits, faith-based community groups, um, public defenders, other elected officials, but really a chance for the community to all come together and uh, say that this is, this is what we feel uh, we'd like to see in a plan going forward um, as, as a community with our policing policies. Um, the plan development with, again, within co coordination with stakeholders um, really is up to the local government chief executive to then um, put together this plan. That's being done, we're already seeing, you know, with counties and cities, a number of ways. Some, some of them are working, you know, directly with their sheriff, some to put together this plan, some are uh, doing a combination of that and the communities, uh, some are doing um, task, uh, putting the other task forces that, that are looking at this and putting, putting together the plan for the chief executive. Uh, the, the, once the plan is in place, uh, the next step is for the plan to be ratified by the local government legislative body um, after this plan is also offered to the public for comment. So the once the plan's in place um, to, to improve policing policies, it's up to the legislature, uh, the county legislature, the county board to adopt, uh, ratify such plan. And that can be done um, through resolution or through local law by, by your local government. Um, the fourth step is this plan must be submitted to the state budget director um, by April 1st, uh, again, 2021. Uh, the, there, there are in the EO um, consequences if these, this is not uh, done by April 1st, and that is that the state could withhold funding from municipalities that do not submit a plan by that date. Um, I think uh, there, that uh, later on you're gonna hear, I think uh, Chitad was asked about uh, what if in a scenario where the, there, there's being a best effort made by a municipality to put together a plan, but the legislature, there, there's a holdup uh, in some way. There's, there's a uh, perhaps dispute or the legislature is not, um, doesn't want to pass the plan uh, in place. Um, Chad, I, I won't speak for him, but I think you'll hear it. They'll, they'll, they'll consider that, take that on a case-by-case -case basis, you know, especially you know, if there, there's um, some special circumstances going on. Um, you know, will, will this be an automatic uh, withholding of funds or could one make an appeal to the state to say, we just need a little more time? Um, and again, I think they'll take that on a case-by-case -case basis, depending on uh, the circumstances that, that are surrounding that. Um, but again, this, this, if there's the potential for withholding of funding to a municipality, if this is not submitted by April 1st, this is all within the, the EO itself. Um, 
weeks. There's been a new uh, part to this uh, potentially, um, this action, and that is in the form of the governor's budget has a proposal. Um, uh, it's, it's in a proposal form right now of, of the budget that if by April 1st also a municipality does not uh, ratify a plan that uh, within that municipality, the attorney general can place uh, a, what's called a moderator within the police department. Um, we don't know exactly. Uh, there's not, there were, we're low on details of what exactly that means, uh, what, what, what a moderator's uh, responsibilities would be within that uh, policing entity. Um, but the, the draft does make it clear that uh, the local entity would be required to pay for the costs of that moderator um, that, that's placed within the policing entity. Um, that's the, really the overview and the steps of what's happening with 203. To date, we do have all our counties have been reporting in. They've been working at the, um, on this. They've been having public hearings regarding uh, these plans. Um, you know, we've got counties that have policing entities that only have a few members, uh, all the way to counties and you know, the city of New York has thousands and thousands of uh, police officers that work for the city. <clears throat> So obviously, with that kind of range of, of uh, differences, there, there's, the plans are going to be different to meet different needs of the community. Um, some some are, go, are, are much more involved uh, than others, but they, they all are making a great effort at uh, having these meetings, um, uh, meeting with the public and uh, putting together the plans. Uh, we do predict that, that all our counties will uh, comply with with this uh, and submit a plan by April 1st. Um, with that overview, uh, I do want to remind you, please reach, feel free to reach out to me uh, at any time if you have any questions or you need any examples of plans uh, that, that other counties have either put in draft or submitted. Uh, we'll be happy to supply that to you. We have a much more detailed uh, presentation uh, coming up uh, on February 23rd, we're going to have a workshop on this issue. Uh, NISAC, uh, that is free to all members. Please, uh, we'll provide links where you can register to learn more and to ask questions from our guest speakers at that. Uh, with that, uh, I will end our segment. And again, I always invite you to, to reach out to me if you have any questions on this or any other uh, issues that we can help you at NISAC. Uh, and now I'll turn it over to part two of our podcast. We'll be right back to the discussion after this brief message from our sponsor. Nimer is a licensed, regulated insurer owned by its policyholders, over 900 municipalities across New York State. Together, they have built a strong, fiscally responsible company providing property and casualty insurance to counties, cities, towns, and villages, both big and small. NIMER is a non-for-profit program. Customer service, knowledge of municipal operations, as well as risk management and aggressive claims defense are the cornerstones of the company, not shareholder returns or corporate earnings targets. Uh, thank you for that uh, warm welcome. And uh, just want to thank everybody for being able to join in today. Um, you know, what we want to do here for the governor's office is make sure that we're providing information to our 
municipalities as well as our law enforcement officers to ensure that they are able to comply with our executive order. Um, and particularly in light of the budget um, proposal, we just wanna make sure that everyone is aware of all the steps that they need to take, uh, be a resource to you all, so that way there's no monitor imposed and ideally also that if your proposals are able to get across the line by April 1st, um, we don't have to make any sort of monetary penalty with respect to funds as well. So I'm just gonna go over real quick the sort of impetus behind this and then also some of the projected timelines um, and potential partnerships in due QA. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so, um, you know, when we began this summer here, um, we were, rocked by the tragic killing of George Floyd. And we saw that, you know, obviously social change comes from communication of the fact and a plan for it, uh, motivated, and as well as a motivated citizenry. Um, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of protests uh, in the wake of this killing, um, not just here in New York, but across this country and across this globe. And obviously, as Steve mentioned, and a major thanks to the sheriffs, we recognize the critical role that law enforcement officers do day in and day out to protect us. And that the only way we can sort of move forward from this current position is a recognition, uh, honest dialogue in between the community and law enforcement, um, and really sort of working to repair police and community relations. Um, as noted, despite all of the amazing, tremendous work that law enforcement do on a day-to-day -day basis, there are a few individuals, uh, high-profile events that has sort of rocked our foundation and core as a society um, that has sort of caused unnecessary tension. And we, we, we recognize that while they are few and far between amongst law enforcement, there's a lot of systemic behavior um, that can be addressed. Uh, through obviously those community conversations. Uh, we wanna make sure that you all are continuing to engage. I think one of the things that we have noticed in this whole process is that society has to be aware um, that we're committed and that we want to change as well. Um, and that all of our law enforcement stands behind making sure that abuses are able to stop um, and that we can get through all of this together. So uh, at the beginning of June, uh, when the governor came out with this, uh, we had did the four cornerstones of the Say Their Name package, which was the transparency of prior disciplinary records through 50A, uh, a chokehold ban, um, the, a proposal designed to limit false race-based 9-11 reporting, and also that the attorney general can be serve as a independent prosecutor for police involved shootings. Um, police abuse is obviously something that we wanna just make sure that all New Yorkers know that is not gonna be tolerated here in our state. Um, and we, we know that obviously you're, you're, doing, you're doing amazing work. So, by doing this project, we're gonna restore confidence in the public, respect for law enforcement, as well as trust within our communities um, and heal the community relations. So this first question here, uh, for what function should the police perform? Uh, in our proposal, uh, in the EO, we provide a range of different solutions and suggestions. We have research, 
this is a, intended to be guidance and not necessarily a particular requirement for any of our law enforcement officers. Uh, we want to make sure that we can begin with evaluating the duties and functions of the police. And I think that when we find, if we were to take a true and honest assessment, uh, law enforcement over the years has actually been responsive to a range of different roles that did not exist within their purview 10, 15, or 20 years ago, um, particularly in light of all of the mental health screenings and things of that nature that have occurred and in increased visibility on uh, mental illness as a disease and treatment. So one of the questions that we opposed was whether or not law enforcement should respond to mental health calls. Uh, locally in Albany, I know that their package has already considered adopting the CAHOOTS model, which is based out of um, Oregon and allows for a partnership in between uh, nurses and or an EMT, as well as a social worker to be able to address those sort of non-emergency calls, just because what we've noticed is that when law enforcement responds to disturbed individuals, uh, it can sort of escalate that tension and we wanna be able to promote uh, de-escalation to the greatest extent possible. Uh, but once again, obviously every community is different and this is just one, one of those ideas to, to push us forward. Um, we will also want to have folks question what are the effective policing standards and practices, as well as does your department um, consider officers' past use of force during any of their sort of annual performance reviews. Um, I think trying to figure out and identify behaviors and patterns within officers um, to ensure that we're able to stop um, any sort of directly incredibly controversial conduct from occurring uh, would make everyone's lives easier and also not only promote trust and safety, um, for that particular officer, but overall in law enforcement. I think when we see a lot of the abuse or murders, unfortunately, uh, many of those officers already had prior conduct that should have been considered as a possible red flag. And so one of those suggestions is whether or not uh, you should evaluate past use of force. Um, does your office have a, or department have a transparent process for investigating misconduct is another central question that we want all of our law enforcement and municipalities to consider. Uh, what policing activity data should be collected? Uh, at the beginning of this process, we had asked for all of our law enforcement and municipalities to be able to pro publicly provide data, post it on their website, so that way the public can see and inspect, and those can hopefully facilitate the dialogue and community conversations that should be taking place. Um, and obviously, to the extent that it's available, any demographic information that you have that could point to any sort of other targeting concerns and other issues that many members, particularly Black and Latino um, citizens, may feel uh, discriminated against and or harassed um, just in their daily lives. Um, where, where we recommend is for the task force uh, and our working groups that you all stand up involves the leadership of the local police, obviously members of the community, um, interested nonprofit and community groups, local district attorney's offices, local public defenders, as well as local elected officials. We do not require any specific party to join in, um, as we understand that every community is different. 
but we do feel as though these groups would uh, go a long way in terms of actually promoting real transparency and real honest dialogue. Um, I know that in some instances, uh, advocate groups have regularly reached out to us um, for some counties uh, expressing concern that they feel like they're shut out. Uh, I think one of those one of the so easier solutions to doing this is if you all are having community conversations sort of outside of the a completely public forum for the duration is to at least make sure that the public is aware of who you all are meeting with and sort of being able to provide some sort of sense of guidance in terms of how those conversations are taking place. Um, all offices aren't the same. Some of them post de very detailed minutes of every single conversation they're having. Um, and some municipalities, uh, it's a little lacking on the details. Um, I just think it will go a long way towards like really promoting transparency, just providing any sort of outline uh, that you all may have. So this here is the suggested work plan. Um, you know, as we mentioned, uh, the planning process was for August through September. Uh, the listening sessions and learning from the community was supposed to take place from about mid-September through uh, early November. Um, and then in counties, localities were supposed to draft their initial proposals uh, through November through December. Um, and right about now, it should be about the public comment period. Now, this is not, this is just a suggested work plan. Uh, we know some counties are, are far ahead. We also know that there are some counties and law enforcement offices we're behind schedule, um, but the important goal here for us is making sure that we're able to ratify any of the work plans and proposals by April 1st. Um, that April 1st deadline, um, so as soon as we're wrapping up the state budget, we should know and we should have the certifications from all of the respective, uh, over, it's over 400 law enforcement offices uh, throughout our state, uh, but that should be ratified and sent to us for approval by April 1. And you know, community engagement can obviously occur sort of throughout various portions of this proposal. So this year, the governor's Article 7 language, it's part L of the Public Protection and General Government um, bill. Uh, it authorized New York State Attorney General to install a monitor to oversee the operation of police agencies for all local governments that fail to certify by April 1st of 2021 until the certification is filed. Uh, the monitor would be paid for at the expense of that police agency or local government and would be in addition to any withholding of state funds uh, determined by the division of budget. We want to do everything possible to make sure that you all do not have those funds withheld and obviously that we are not placing monitors on all of our law enforcement officers. Um, we think that we can be able to do this well and as obviously as change comes when times are right. And this is a, a great moment of change for our society and for the state of New York. So with that said, I just wanna turn it over for any questions uh, that folks may have um, for nice Q&A dialogue. The first question, um, Shatad is, will there be any consideration given to an extension of the April 1st date without penalty should a municipality run up against the deadline? Um, with Is this with respect to if there's a situation, hold on a second, let me stop shared screen. Um, I guess my question would be, 
is the concern that they're unable to ratify just because of local politics of like the either the county legislature or their local city council is that what the hiccup is on meeting the timeline I, th I think we could have a conversation sort of around around those specific details uh, more so than you know, if a county just failing to report any information about what's going on. And uh, I would say that, that would probably be more of a case by case basis. Um, you know, if you if you chose to submit it one week before the April 1st deadline versus if you started this process well in advance and your legislature body wasn't able to move the proposal forward, uh, we can have conversations. Uh, for small rural counties that do not have a road patrol, but do have a few positions with police powers in the sheriff's and DA's offices, is the process the same as those that have an active road patrol to complete the plan? So, yeah, so all law enforcement offices have to do this. We understand that there are obviously a ton of small villages in town, like police forces, uh, that the utility of doing this proposal um, for officers, offices that may have four or 10 um, law enforcement officials may be a little bit harder and challenging. What we actually have allowed is for those small villages and towns to actually be able to partner in with their respective counties. So multiple offices are able to partner together, uh, particularly if they're closely related from a geographic standpoint and convene once one group rather than every individual village having to have their own. Um, if, and when they do so, when they send their certification, they should let us know who they partnered with and we should all receive that package and information together. Um, Follow-up question, Shatad, on that is how does a county certify? How do they submit a plan to New York State? Is there an email address? Yeah, so actually in the, I will, I'll have to go back and pull up the link, but I can follow up with you all via email. So when we first uh, released this package, we had an entire guidance book. That guidance book at the end actually has a form uh, that the counties actually have to fill out, um, and they can use that for the submission. And it has all of the submission details in there. Okay, great. Thank you, Shadad. Uh, the next question here is, will the state provide any funding or assistance for proposals to be implemented after the plans have been sent to the state? So uh, I guess in order to do implementation, the counties are wondering, will there be some state resources to assist uh, with modernizing and um, in, in making these changes? Um, as far as this budget is concerned, we do not currently anticipate providing any funding. And I would also caveat and state that uh, we don't require specific proposals um, in our plan. So some counties have chosen to make body cameras a direct requirement or, you know, the dash cams a direct requirement. Those are local decisions. So if your locality chooses to do that, um, we are greatly appreciative, um, but we do not have any sort of money lined out um, for that particular endeavor at this point in time. Okay, uh, this is a technical question here. Um, assistance from the state DCJS, 
to have a universal records management system for all law enforcement agencies to collect consistent and uniform data would help greatly. Is that a possibility rather than several different systems to merge data? Hmm. Um, I am happy to have a follow-up conversation with DCJS about that. Um, I understand that obviously every office is not going to have the same level of sophistication and that could be um, a bit of an operational challenge. Um, we're happy to have continued dialogue on that topic. So I'll reach back out to the DCJS team. Um, I don't think that that's going to be something that's going to happen overnight, um, but we can definitely sort of take that information back and, and explore it further. We did have one uh, question additional come in, Shatad, about the state police. Uh, is the state police submitting a plan by April 1st uh, as well? And can that plan be shared uh, with us? Uh, any preliminary plans be shared with us so that we could circulate that amongst the counties for additional guidance? Okay. Um, I will need to check back in with the state police in regards to any specific proposals or, or changes or modifications that they may be exploring. Okay. Um, I would say that if folks are looking for templates, uh, we have received obviously a couple of different local authorities who have either gave us their proposals in advance for exploration, um, just to sort of see if they were on the right track. Um, and we sort of provided feedback, you know, once that proposal was at least already available for public comment, um, just to sort of make sure that things were okay. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been able to provide that sort of guidance. So if you, if they are, if any locality is looking for uh, particular examples, I can absolutely share a couple of them. Some that have already completed their entire process, others that are still in the public comment window, but have been um, coordinating with us and having ongoing dialogue. To listen to the full question and answer segment of Shatad's presentation, check out the recording of his presentation to county leaders on NYSAC's YouTube channel. As always, thanks for tuning in to this NYSAC podcast. Keep tuning in each week to hear more insightful conversations about innovations and solutions at the county level.